Welcome to Geekology 101. My name is Diego, and today we've got an episode focused completely on the subject of conspiracies within fiction. Now, this is a really interesting topic because you usually would think of conspiracy as its own genre, but in reality, there are conspiracies going on all throughout geekdom. I mean, I'm talking in everything from the Marvel movies to the Star Wars movies, and uh, Lucas King is going to be joining Joshua and I in a conversation all the way from Norway. Uh, Lucas, amongst other things, is a filmmaker, and he's an overall creative and an overall geek who loves talking about this stuff. He's going to let us know a little bit about himself, and we're going to dive deep into this topic. So let me just hit these here buttons. Okay. All right, dial in Norway. Go. And we're connected with Lucas. How are you, my friend? I am extremely good. How are you? We're great, man. We yeah. are great. Uh, good here. Before we dive into the topic, tell us a little bit about you. Yes, Lucas King. Lucas King is a guy from Norway. I would call myself a creative soul. Uh, I've written movies. I make music. I've now gotten into podcasting. So, uh, yeah, I would call myself very creative. Very I've cool. written a lot of movies. And right now, I'm, just be before I got on this call, mm -hmm. I finished a song of mine. So nice. uh, there's a lot of stuff in the works. Nice. Do you write, like, professional movies? Like, what kind of movies do you write? I did actually write a movie when I was 18 years old. Um, it's called Four Hours. And I took that movie script and I took it to England, to mm -hmm. London. I pitched it to a lot of production companies. This was when I was 18 years old. Wow. And one production company just said, all right, we're going to make a movie. So we actually <laughs> made that movie. We took it to Cannes Film Festival and there was this distributor who gave it like a straight to DVD release. Nice. Go yeah, on, so man. that's that's the, far, the first I got uh, up until now and making movies that's pretty but great still writing, though. it must yeah. be it must be a, an awesome feeling to see a project on screen come to life like that it is but at the same time i was 18 years old so when i'm watching that movie now i cringe because i don't like it i think it's terrible to be honest <laughs> Uh, one of your podcasts is actually a storytelling podcast which kind of unites the the mm. uh your love for script writing and story writing with your love for podcasting tell us a little bit about that one it is because when i made the movie that i made i had like mixed experiences but i want i'd love to tell stories i, I love to like um I'm, and i feel i'm pretty good at it too to be honest i feel i'm really good at telling a story mm -hmm. Maybe much more now since I have some life experience as well that I can right. use for it. Podcasts are so popular right now. So I found that, okay, if I combine storytelling with podcasting, then I could make something really special and something that people could really like. And that's what I did. So I made Meriwether. It's like a conspiracy thriller in the vein of like, Conspiracy movies, conspiracy TV shows. I watched Homecoming, and I got really inspired by that. That started out as a podcast as well, actually. So I watched that, and I got really inspired by it. So, yeah, so it's about a company called Meriwether. It's uh, a woman who investigates the company because 
she hears that there are some really shady stuff going on. And as she investigates it, she gets tangled into a conspiracy that gets really dangerous. And it's it's easy to consume, right? You said it was just a, a six-part thing? Yeah, I wanted to make it like that because nice. I watched some audio dramas. They go on for 30 minutes and it's just people talking. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not my thing. It's probably for someone. Uh, but I think that's too long. I want to have people listen to this on the train or whatever and not be bored by it. I, I want people to stick it to it from the beginning to the end and not be bored for one second. So yeah. when I wrote the script as well, I found I had to delete a lot of stuff. To- <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a saying out there that I have written on my um, on my board right, right in front of my desk, which is that perfection is achieved when there's nothing left to take out or to remove. Ah, oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. That's so well said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I very much subscribe to that kind of thinking when it comes to design and creativity. You know, like initially you want to stuff so many elements in there because you feel that it's necessary. But once you start paring down, you can get to something that's so concise and so to the point that it just makes it more effective and easier to take in, you know. That's like um Dave Filoni's like interpretation of Star Wars. It's deep. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know. I geek out over this stuff. What can I say? You have a thing for conspiracy, and conspiracy is an element of, of an element of storytelling that is permeated throughout all sorts of stories, whether it be on film, TV, whether it be uh, audio dramas, games, comics. It's everywhere. Conspiracy thrillers are very much a strong genre within storytelling and it has been for many many years how would you define a conspiracy you know what that's awesome that you're asking that because you're listing all these fictional things but they all come from somewhere right so they all come from the real world so and i love real conspiracy i don't believe in them like when people say the earth is flat like i know the (laughs) earth is round right you know the earth is round Mm -hmm. right yeah, we do. But it's very cool to hear how passionate people are saying that the world is flat. Right. And I think when you watch movies about conspiracies, there's always the crazy person is always right. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. 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 That's, that's in every single conspiracy movie. The crazy person is always right. Mm-hmm. That's not the real world, but it's really fun to imagine a world where crazy is um, correct. If you know right. what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that's what's attracting at least me to conspiracy stuff that is so out there, that is so ridiculous. That, But it's true. So that yeah. makes it compelling. We've got a lot of properties. We've got a, quite a big list here of properties that um, include conspiracy as part of the main plot, I guess, of, of the story. Like the main mystery? Yeah, yeah, that main question that is trying to be solved or the main thing that is trying to be discovered. It's... Like, who's behind that map or something like that? Sure, or, or you know... Like, why are these people doing this? Discovering, unraveling that there's something behind what you think is normal. Mm-hmm. There's actually something sinister happening behind somebody pulling the strings that you didn't know was there. Like, like you might think that this is just like a normal thing, but it turns right. out that there's a whole plot behind yeah. it. Yeah, somebody has some kind of plan and they're executing that plan from the shadows, from behind the scenes, and you're part of it and you have no clue that you're part of it. Mm-hmm. And so whoever is whoever's eyes start to be open to that, 
you start little by little realizing like, oh, my God, there's a deeper, deeper rabbit hole here that, you know, I, I now have to discover. Let's start going down our list because um, we got a pretty sizable list here. Uh, let's start off with Captain America Winter Soldier. Now, this is this is a movie. One, one of the things that I love, one of the, thing the things that I love about comic book movies is that it would almost seem like the comic book movie is a genre of movie. But it's really not, because even though comic books a lot of the times bring in these the element of superheroes and supervillains, you're still telling a story that falls into some other kind of genre. Mm-hmm. So, like for example, if you look at like a Doctor Strange, you're dealing with a world of magic and mysticism, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you tell, when you look at a story of Iron Man, you're dealing with a world of technology, technological advancement, and weaponry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, they're all kind of like science fiction they are yeah absolutely but they they deal with different areas of science fiction Mm -hmm. just like in general science fiction you could be telling a story that is sci-fi and it's focused completely on alien life Mm -hmm. another one could be focused completely on magical elements another one could be focused completely on technological elements right so like comics play with all those different storytelling elements now with the joker you have the more grounded one as well yes correct right and so looking at a movie like captain america winter soldier we see that not only is it a superhero movie, yes, it is a superhero movie and a comic-based movie, but it's playing with this element of conspiracy with its plot. And so let's describe a little bit about what the conspiracy plot is in Captain America Winter Soldier. You want to take a stab at it, buddy? Um, yeah, so basically I think that the, the conspiracy part in Winter Soldier mm-hmm. Is the uh, about Hydra? Yeah. How Hydra is controlling Shield from behind? How they're pulling the strings? Yeah. And there's this, there's this part of Hydra that just they're trying to get people to trust them. Right. But they're really just like really evil. Yeah. And um, and they are. They. I know. <laughs> Lucas, what would you add to that? I would like to just ask, like, sounds familiar? Organizations, like, asking you to trust them, but really they're evil. <laughs> yeah. That's like the perfect <laughs> recipe for a conspiracy, isn't it? It is, yeah. You have it the is. Illuminati right there. Right, yes. Yeah. Right? Exactly, the Illuminati, the, uh, you know, the Masons, all the... Sure, right. Court of Owls in the Batman world. You, you've you got a group pulling strings behind the scenes trying to get to an ultimate goal. In Captain America Winter Soldier, the ultimate goal of Hydra was to be able to contr- to create these massive helicarriers. You remember those? They had three of them that they built. Uh, yeah, it crashed, right? Hydra? Yeah. Oh, I don't, I don't Well, S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, yeah. S.H.I.E.L.D. had built three massive helicarriers. And they had this crazy satellite-based targeting system that allowed a person to be identified by the, by their name anywhere on the globe. So, like, satellites would identify a name, and then these helicarriers would be constantly hovering around the atmosphere, uh, around the stratosphere of the Earth. And from there, from orbit, they could shoot down and annihilate an enemy anywhere in the world. Like, that was the purpose of these three helicarriers. It was S.H.I.E.L.D. doing it, but behind the scenes, it was actually HYDRA. And so the the cool thing is that this is the conspiracy. This is the ultimate goal that Hydra was getting to, to be able to have the ability to take out any enemy that they deemed worthy of taking out Mm. from anywhere in the globe. 
And when they launched it, when they realized that Captain America and Falcon and Widow were uncovering their plot, mm-hmm. they tried to speed up the process and tried to deploy the three helicarriers quicker than what they originally planned. Mm. And they started immediately identifying targets. I don't know if you remember that scene, but they start locking onto targets, including like Tony Stark, and they mentioned Stephen Strange oh. and a bunch of other targets. I, I think oh, really? The, I think the reason yeah. I don't remember any of these scenes is because I haven't fully finished. What? The, um, Dude. Don't you. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Uh, no, it's not. wow. Yeah, but it's it's a it's it's not a regular movie. It's a tough movie. It's a hard movie to like process in that right because there's a lot of stuff happening. So I get what you're saying. Justin. Yeah, it is. And one of the things that I love about the Captain Captain America character, the way that they treated him in the movies, which is inspired by a lot of the comics, is that yes, Captain America is a super fire, a super powered guy, but he still lives within this entire structure of military. Mm-hmm. Un- unlike other heroes, like other heroes like the Hulk and, you know, Iron Man, Thor, they don't have to report to a chain of command in the world. Well, I mean, uh, but I- Captain America kind of does because he is quite literally a product of the United States government. Captain America mm-hmm. didn't really want to have to answer to the government in Civil War. Though. He didn't. And that's what that's what sparked Civil War. Yeah. Right. But but it's really interesting that he finds himself within that political military world. And so you're able with him, you're able to tell these very interesting stories. And in this case, you're basically telling a story that is a political thriller, mm-hmm. you know, and a conspiracy thriller. And so. So, yeah, that's like the entire behind the scenes things. And of course, Captain America and Black Widow are kind of like unraveling this mystery. And once and they finally realize, holy cow, uh, <laughs> you know, Hydra has actually been uh, behind the scenes, infiltrated in Shield this entire time. Moo. What? You said cow. Oh yes. <laughs> so uh, so yeah, definitely an element of conspiracy within the story of Captain America: Winter Soldier. Let's move on to another I, one. I actually just thought of something that has conspiracy in it. Yeah, what's that? Um, the three Jokers. With how hmm? with how Joker committed three crimes at the exact same time i don't know i don't that's not exactly conspiracy i mean i haven't read the second issue yet it's only three issues i've read issue one i haven't read issue number two yeah right um yeah yeah this is a comic book uh that that recently released called three jokers it's it's a mystery for sure but it's not really a conspiracy Mm. yeah okay uh let's go on to another example the dark knight what can you guys tell me about any element of conspiracy within the Dark Knight? Why are you the one? There are a lot us? of <laughs> Go for it, Lucas. What, what do you? Uh, what conspiracy do you see in there? He said the Joker, but I would argue that it's actually the mob that's controlling Gotham. But I think that's Batman related in all Batman related uh, media. There's always the mob controlling Gotham, and Gotham right. is so corrupt. And especially in the Dark Knight movies, it's like it was a guy called the head of the mob, Spiloni, Maloney, something. Uh, Maroney. Maroney. Yeah, Maloney? right. Baloney. Is that what you just said? <laughs> 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 That's great. Um, no, but I think the mob element is really like highlighting the conspiracy aspect of it. When you have a mob controlling a city, there's definitely bound to be some conspiracies and people 
joining them, not joining them, who's good, who's bad. Yeah, so I would say that. And, but and, and so here's here's where I think the character the character of the Joker is so brilliantly written in the in that movie, and it's that he comes into a system that's already established, a mob system that is already established, mm-hmm. and he gains control of that system, mm-hmm. right? Because he number yeah. one. He uh, robs the banks, Mm -hmm. robs the the one bank at the beginning of the movie, right? And he stabs the dude in the eye with a pencil. Does he? Oh, yeah, 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 right, right. He does a magic trick, That's not part of it. That's not part of it. (laughs) Yeah, that's not a conspiracy. It's just a really great magic trick. Yeah. It's a conspiracy to get rid of a pencil. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Where did that pencil go? It went into his eye socket. Oh, that's true. So what I was going to say is that, like, he creates an environment where he ultimately ends up controlling the crime element in the city, mm-hmm. even being more in control than the mob itself. He comes in and he creates chaos, right? Mm-hmm. By robbing and, the bank and like... Right. And, and the bank is full of money that belongs to the mob. Mm-hmm. So now the mob is mad at him, right? At this new character in town because he's stealing from them. Mm-hmm. And they but were he, the ones who were stealing before. Technically, yeah, in a way. Uh, but also, like, they're getting money through drug sales and, you know, crime. Now yeah. he's taking all the money that they had. Now they're right. angry at it. And so, he just burns the money. He doesn't even use them. He burns the money. Right. He's not even about the money. He uses the money for a purpose. He used part of the money that he stole to buy his explosives and supplies. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but only what he needed. He didn't, you know, he's not about creating, you know, a mansion for himself to live in or anything like that. He, the only reason he burned it is because fire is so cheap and <laughs> right. because Explosives you are know, cheap, he yeah. doesn't need it. Right, right. And then so he gets on their radar by by robbing them. He gets on the radar of the police by robbing that bank. Mm-hmm. And that gets him an audience basically with the mob because he shows up in that kitchen where they're where they're gathering in the middle of the day. Mm -hmm. And then he tells them, "Okay, now I am willing to get rid of your main problem, which is Batman, Mm -hmm. if you give me half of all your money. And mind you, he also forces them to to or their lawyer guy, their accountant guy to take their money overseas. Remember to China? Yeah. Yeah. So now their money is overseas. They commit to giving him half of the money because he's going to take out Batman for them. Mm-hmm. He gets half of the money, burns ha- burns that half of the money. And he doesn't take out Batman. Right. So if you notice, he's little by little breaking down their power because if they don't have any money, they're not going to be able to keep their thugs and their criminals rich. Mm-hmm. If they can't keep their people paid, they're going to go to the person that can pay them, right? Who, which yeah. is whom? The Joker. Yeah. So like little by little, he's shifting the pal- the balance of power and getting the allegiance of the criminals in Gotham. And he's terrorizing the entire city. So he's driving Batman absolutely crazy and pushing him to the edge. Mm-hmm. Like he's playing all these different parts at the same time. He's like a master chess player. And that's what I love about the Joker in The Dark Knight, that he is a brilliant strategist, just like Batman is supposed to be, right? Batman, Joker in that movie is one of the best villains. <laughs> he is. So what do you guys think about that? I, I, I personally think that he ran a brilliant conspiracy behind the scenes, just like pulling the strings not only of the police department, but also of the mob and Batman. He had Batman at his beck and call almost. I, I think that is part of the conspiracy. Mm-hmm. That is like a lot of it. 
but I don't know if this is actually like conspiracy, mm-hmm. but also the Joker's background, or is that just mystery? That's just mystery. Yeah, yeah. Well, what do you think, Lucas? How he got those scars? No. Uh, <laughs> yeah. How did he get uh, those scars? <laughs> that is a good question. That's the whole conspiracy. How did he get those scars? <laughs> yeah. No. Um, uh, that was actually much more smarter than I remember the movie being. Right. I just, I just remember like Michael Caine's line. It was like, uh, "Some man just wants to watch this world burn." So I just took it literally and didn't think Joker had a plan. But now when you're saying it, I'm like, oh, right. Maybe yeah. he was much smarter than I took him for. I just took him for a clown just playing. Right. He did actually burn the money. He did, yeah. But yeah, he had uh, he had plans for his plans. Like, he had so many layers to his plans. And I think that... Um, one of the one of the coolest because uh, his backstory does remain a mystery since you brought that up, buddy. Mm-hmm. His backstory does remain a mystery, and one of the coolest theories that I've heard about his backstory is that he was actually one of the reasons why when they tried to fingerprint him, nothing came up because mm-hmm. he didn't have he had like burned off his fingerprints or something like that, mm-hmm. and he didn't exist basically in any kind of record. And one of the backstory theories that I read, I think on Reddit for his origin story is that he was actually a an ex-Special Forces Oh, yeah, guy. I, think, I think you told me about this too. Yeah, which is really, really cool because if you really think about it, you know, black ops guys, mm-hmm. they don't exist on, on public records. Like, they'll really be erased, mm-hmm. like a Jason Bourne or somebody like that, right? Mm-hmm. And if you think about all the skill sets that he showed, stri- strategy, battle strategy, planning strategy, he understood... Oh financial shifting and financial balance he understood explosives he understood uh ballistics he understood so many aspects that a special ops person would have to know and it made sense on top of that maybe he was in combat he was scarred and that's how he got that scarring on his face oh i think i think you told me something else what was that i think it was that like you you told me that maybe he was like captured or something and tortured yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, like cut up his face. Yeah. And stuff. Yeah. And imagine if he, if he would have been completely because again these black ops guys like they're not like a regular soldier that the, that the army and the military has to give account for. Mm-hmm. They can be written off. They can say, "Oh no, we have no clue who that person is." They're Call of Duty black ops. There you go. So what if he was completely forsaken by the country after being captured? After having served for them, you know, all for many years, and this is essentially like his retaliation against the system. Maybe, maybe if you're right, like black ops people having no records. Yeah. But maybe he also maybe he erased his own records to know know about him. Could have been that too. Yeah, Lucas, what do you think, man? What do you think about that theory? I think that we're creating our own conspiracy theory right now. <laughs> so cool. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I I just I wish somebody would write that. You know, like write that. I'll read a novel only about that backstory. You know, like actually, that's a good one. That's yeah. almost better than a Joker movie, they right? Yeah, a, they should make an HBO Max miniseries like that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, they're making an HBO Max miniseries about everything now. So yeah, why not? All right, let's let's hop into another movie. Uh, actually, this one is a TV show, Daredevil, the Netflix Daredevil show. I've never seen it. No, I've never seen it either. Oh, you haven't seen it either. Okay, well, I'll bring it. I've seen the movie with Ben Affleck, though, but I don't know how. (laughs) That that one doesn't have too much conspiracy or too much good writing, for that matter. Yeah. 
Um, so I'll break it down really quickly. Daredevil, basically, you know, it's a section of New York called Hell's Kitchen. And there is also kind of an established system of power within the criminal underworld. And the power is slowly being consolidated by the kingpin. And so he's taking out his rivals. He's making strategic moves. And essentially, he is doing things in a way that no other criminal boss had done before because he actually has a public persona. And this is something that was taken straight from the comics. You know, this is how the Kingpin is in, in the in the Marvel comics. He's also a, in the video games. Yeah, right. In the video games, too. He is a mob boss that everybody knows publicly as being, you know, a, a businessman. Yeah, like in Spider-Man. Right, yeah. Like Spider-Man knows him as this, like, Correct. evil mob boss. Yeah. But, like, uh, like publicly, mm-hmm. some other people know him. Like normal people just know him as like right like, his criminal persona. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So, so that's the element of conspiracy there. You know that he uh, that that the kingpin has this nice, clean public persona, but behind the scenes he's this criminal, and so Daredevil is bent on exposing him. Mm-hmm. Then, if you look further into how that show develops within the entire shared universe of the Defenders, right? Luke Cage and Iron Fist and Wait, Jessica Jones. Defenders? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had one season of, of the Defenders. Mm. There's even a deeper conspiracy there at that broader level where this organization known as the Hand is the foot, the hand, <laughs> right? <laughs> is trying to infiltrate New York City and creating basically this gigantic tunnel down into this ancient area to unlock this power. They're like a mystical sort of organization. They're not like a just regular criminal organization. I should really see it. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, I highly, highly recommend it. If you can get into all those shows, you know, Daredevil, Luke Cage, uh, Iron Fist and Jessica Jones and then watch the Defenders. It comes together very nicely. It's a pretty cool universe. That's such an original name. The Hand. Like, (laughs) like they they totally did not take any inspiration from a criminal organization called The Foot. (laughs) Sure, man. If you say so. Uh, but yeah, very, very cool world. And there is definitely like a, a, a deep set of conspiracies that, that that play behind the scenes for that connect all those shows. And that's essentially what brings all these superheroes together. It's this conspiracy that this organization that also has a public facing, uh, you know, persona. It's kind of like Abstergo in Assassin's yeah. Creed. Yeah, something like that. Very similar. Yeah. Again, you start seeing all these connections of conspiracies across different properties. It, mm-hmm. It's like all over the place. Like they're hiding, mm-hmm. yeah. like pretending to be something innocent and normal, right. but then like deep down, they're just deep down inside. They're <laughs> they're like evil and yeah. plotting stuff. Yeah. Like Absolutely. all of us, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All of us uh, do tend to like present a certain public image but you know deep down we have our own interests we have our own uh, goals that Dark we're trying to reach yeah. yeah yeah uh all right let's hop onto another one that's a little bit more lighthearted. men in black oh i love it that's childhood <laughs> memories yeah tell tell us about that one and how consp- conspiracy plays a role in that one lucas men in black yeah. i don't know how conspiracy plays a, a smaller role it's like all conspiracies i actually watched a youtube video like a month ago about the real man in black and it's so funny because you see like these people in like suits and hats walking into a store in uh, with like the cctv camera catch oh. capturing them coming in really so it's actually based on some real conspiracy thing 
with people oh. actually thinking there are people out there like these people uh, covering up alien alien stuff, covering oh, covering up alien conspiracies. So Men in Black is partially based on a true uh, true thing. That's it's interesting. It's like, it's like I don't yeah. remember him saying that. <laughs> right. <Huh>? Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, in Men in Black, you've got the you know the whole conspiracy point of it is like you've got this secret government organization whose entire job is to monitor the the dealings of extraterrestrial creatures that are secretly living on Earth. Mm-hmm. And Do you in aliens? What's that? Do you believe in aliens? That's a good question, man. Here, I definitely believe that we. I believe that we're not the only form of life in the universe. Organic life. Yeah, of life in general. I don't think we're the only form of life. Like the life on Earth, you mean? Yeah, or even like the only form of intelligent life. Now, what other forms of life would look like, considering that they would have been, that they would have come into existence in a completely different planet, in a completely different galaxy, most likely? We probably can't even like imagine what they would look like. Yeah, it's very possible that they're very, very different creatures, um, you know, than anything that we would, that we would identify as life. They can be like, Way more ginormous than you think. They can be way more small than you think. Right. Maybe it could be exactly like in Mars Attacks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh god. Yeah. Very cartoonish looking. Simpsons looking. <laughs> of course they are. Like a small green man walking around with laser beams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I don't think I don't think we're the only form of life out there, man. I think it, it, it's too much of a huge universe. Um, to to think that we're the only form of intelligent life. I believe that aliens are real, but also, mm-hmm. um, if Area Fifty One wasn't just a military base, then what was it used for if it wasn't just a military base? Well, but the, that's what the government claims, though, that it was just a military base where they tested new weapons, new aircrafts. Everyone knows that the government is the most thing that has the most conspiracy theories about it. That is, I the think, what a lot of people would agree with. The government yeah. is our secretly lizard people. <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> this guy. The, maybe the aliens invented coronavirus. I know that's like a really good conspiracy theory. Oh, damn. That's a good conspiracy theory. That, yeah. that is, yeah. They sent it over to this planet to destroy all humans so that they can take over this planet. Or maybe they were like observing us for many, many years, and they they're like, "Wow, these people are really like out of control." They're so they now like, they're they're, they're reaching like, eight billion individual you know people in their entire like, planet. They're consuming their natural resources. They're ruining the environment. Let's throw a like, little virus in there. Yeah, let's just like destroy them. Right. Uh, we're ending up making more conspiracy theories that than we're covering. <laughs> I know, yeah. Um, but no, you know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of uh, War of the Worlds, mm. where that's essentially how the aliens end up, get, end up getting defeated by, by Earth bacteria. Oh, yeah. Oh, wait, really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't think I'm There's just water. Yeah, from drink, they would get out. They, they were shown like getting off the ships and drinking our water. Mm. and breathing our air and so our bacteria was so f- different from the bacteria that they're used to on their worlds that they ended up getting sick and dying and they got coronavirus and died probably <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> All right. And on that uh, conspiracy filled point, uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to chat about uh, the second half of our list of movies and even throw in a couple of video games that uh, Joshua thought of before we started recording um, that include conspiracies as part of their main plot. So we will catch you guys in a minute. It's me, Joshua, and I'd like to talk about something that I've been doing recently. So, I've been listening to audiobooks. I've been listening to my Minecraft audiobooks and my Hello Neighbor audiobooks. They basically finish the story of the games. And you can get your first month free on Audible at audibletrial.com slash g101. That's audibletrial.com slash g101. Get ready for real, raw conversations between three longtime friends. No topics are off the table, and honesty is a must. We'll share, get deep, inspire, laugh, and most of all, have a great time amongst friends. So grab your drink of choice and join Edgar, Diego, and Lewis. The Brotherhood of Banter. Subscribe and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and anywhere great podcasts are found. Next one on the list is V for Vendetta. I've seen it. You have. You yeah. liked it, right? Yeah, I, I liked it. Yeah. What um, about you, Lucas? Did I like it? Um, I'm not sure. It's okay. But the thing about it is the conspiracy I ex- expect in it is crazy. The, like, uh, I think he was the one who brought back the guy Fox, Fox mask, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was. Do you remember the details of, of, that, of that conspiracy? Oh, it was London clock explosion. <laughs> I'm just saying like uh, keywords. No, it was something like that, right? He was going to blow up Big Ben. No, am I completely wrong? I, I think, yeah, I think one of the main. So like one of the main things is the control of the of that government right over over the country. Yeah, they had like a really, really tight grip. They wouldn't let people play music. For some reason. Yeah. Um. And but I, I forget exactly. I mean, the, the conspiracy really is on his side, right? On V, like he's the one carrying out the conspiracy to overthrow that government. Yeah, I think to me, there's two conspiracies. Two conspiracies. Um, yeah. So the first one is like the government. Like, why are they like doing all this stuff to just to get control over these people? Mm-hmm. Um, and another one for me is like, what is. Like, what is the matter with this dude? Like, what is he doing? <laughs> right. I feel like I have a theory. Okay. My theory is that the guy, the dude wearing V. Yeah. That's his name, right? Is that V, the good dude is wearing a mask, is actually Guy Fox, but he's reanimated. From the dead. Oh. And he's wearing them, and he's wearing his own mask. Oh wow, that would be that pretty, is uh, so awesome. Kind of epic, right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Zombie Guy Fox. Yeah. But yeah, that's a really cool movie. I, I love the way he talks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is kind of like in prose, right? He's like everything rhymes, everything that he says. Is yeah. that what it is? Or no, no, he uses the same letter or something like that. Remember, remember the six of something. And I don't know. <laughs> but does he talk like that all the time? I don't remember. Oh, doesn't he? I, I'm pretty I, sure he like every a lot of stuff that he says rhymes. 
But he talks in a very peculiar way, though. He doesn't just have a normal conversation with you. He always sounds like he's, you know. Like trying to, like, do it, like, I guess that's kind of his character, though, right? Yeah. Imagine having that guy as a friend. And every conversation you're having is like that. And every you're like, oh, no, not again. Every yeah. single conversation, he's just rhyming. And you're like, would you yeah. have a single normal conversation with me? <laughs> you're introducing him to someone and he's like, nice to meet you. I got to feed you stew. <laughs> yeah. You're ordering. You're going to order food at a restaurant. The menu, the menu. I see the menu. I think of the thing that I want to eat. I blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Like a Dr. Seuss book come to life. I know it's not a beat. <laughs> Maybe it's... No, I think I'll just cheat. Yeah. Or perhaps I'll have the meat. <laughs> oh! <laughs> we should make a rap song together. We should, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, so, uh, yeah, V for Vendetta definitely has some conspiracy going on with this dude trying to overthrow that government or at least destabilize that government in the eyes of the people. I think one of his main goals is to get the people to not be okay with conforming you know like for them to not be okay with being controlled in that way and like i feel like him playing the music out loud for everybody to hear it almost shocks the society it almost shocks those that group of people there he also had like a symbol right yeah like i I remember there was a scene where people were like spray painting his symbol oh yeah like over the walls and stuff yeah yeah it's kind of like a v isn't it like an anarchy sign upside down or something yeah, like that I think so. yeah yeah i do remember that man i need to watch that movie again it's been a while uh all right let's hop on to another one jason Bourne, and i mentioned this uh quickly before when we're, i was talking about the whole special ops thing but uh lucas what what do you think about jason Bourne and conspiracy being part of the plot you know what jason Bourne is the most badass action hero ever Honestly, yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. But in every movie, there's like a new conspiracy. The right. latest movies, they're just putting in conspiracies. They're like, oh, there's a guy in the CIA and he's corrupt. And he starts out as a friend and then he's not a friend. Like the latest Jason Bourne movies, they suck. Uh, to be honest, I don't like them. But the yes. first ones, they're good because they're, they were something new, right? Um, right. They didn't shoehorn in the conspiracy aspect of it. If you know what I mean. Didn't it seem didn't did it seem to you like it was too repetitive? Yeah, definitely. It was too repetitive and too unoriginal. Yeah. Yeah. Like Like you said, the the very I feel like the very first movie did feel very original, you know? Yeah, definitely. But then sorry, go ahead. Yeah, the second two I think was very good. What I think is like they kept on going. There was there was this show called Alias. Are you familiar with Alias? Yeah. Yeah. You so, showed us that. Yeah. Uh-huh. And Alias, like the first season of the show, it's basically this, uh, you start discovering little by little how this woman called uh, uh, Sydney. Somebody. She ends up, you end up discovering how she's secretly a CIA operative. And then like in the second or third season, you she ends up getting recruited into a deeper level, deeper covert organization who is like a covert organization within a covert organization. And then that happens again a third time. And this the plot of the Bourne movies kind of reminded me of that because it was like, oh, no, yeah, you know, secret agent who was part of Blackstone, 
you know, the secret uh, uh, program from the CIA. But wait, there's a deeper program than that called whatever it was. There's a program in a program in a program. Exactly. There was also that part in Alias where, like, she was fighting her arch nemesis and then she, like, gets knocked out and then she wakes up two years later. Oh, right, yeah. Now, that's a good writing beat where you're suddenly, you end up, you're left in a cliffhanger where your main character wakes up after and, and realizes that two years have passed and she doesn't know where she is or how she got there. Did she, like, <laughs> go to a different universe? Or did she, like, travel at what? light speed, like, 5,000 miles back? Dude, dude you're going to have to watch a series to find out. But listen, the, the point of Jason Bourne, like, it really does have this conspiracy thing going on because the whole nature of these black ops operations is that they don't have to play by the normal rules of law enforcement, military, or exactly. the intelligence community. That's what's cool about it, that they're so dangerous. They're basically yeah. powerful. They're like gods in the real world. Yeah, yeah. And so it's really cool like to see, to get a peek behind that curtain in some way, you know? And and to see how it all operates and to see how quickly one of the things that I love is how they can very quickly activate more, quote unquote, assets, which means more badass fighting guys, you know, <laughs> more borns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More borns. Exactly. Um, and they can activate them, you know, in the snap of a finger like, yeah, activate asset number, whatever it over in Bulgaria. Finger. Just like that. <laughs> <laughs> then you're not activating assets, then you're deactivating assets. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think I think that the Jason Bourne movies, the first one was cool. The second one is like, oh wow, there's another organization behind that. The third one was like, okay, really? Another organization behind that one? And then the fourth one's like, okay, another organization. Yeah. So it just it got old after a bit, but I think Lucas, you're right, Jason Bourne. Within the within the characters that are non-superpowered, he is one of the most badass. Yeah, he started something. He he started yeah. all he started that genre of movies. I think, as you said earlier, Captain America Winter Soldier, I think, was yeah. very inspired by that. Yes. Yes. Uh, John Wick. Um, you know, also. Taken. Taken, John Wick. There you go. Yeah, Taken, same thing. Yeah, definitely created a kind of like a subgenre. Very, John very cool. Wick uses gun food. He does. He does, yeah. Don't mess with his dog. <laughs> okay, next one. Uh, let's hop on to Iron Man 3. Mandarin? So, yeah, Iron Man 3, I remember when Iron Man 3 was being shown and like the, the trailers were coming out mm -hmm. and we realized like, oh, my God, the Mandarin. And you had Ben Kingsley, Sir Ben Kingsley playing the Mandarin. I was personally so excited because the Mandarin, I always knew him from the comics as being one of Iron Man's arch nemesis mm -hmm. because yeah. he deals in magic. Iron Man deals in technology. And those two things are kind of very different worlds. So Mandarin was always able to throw him off in the way that no one else was. Mm -hmm. And I was so excited to see Ben Kingsley playing, because he's a great actor, to see him playing the Mandarin. I was like, yes, this is going to be an awesome movie. And then you watch the movie and, and spoiler he's like, alert. He's not the he's Mandarin. not at all. He's just like some random dude. Yeah, he's an actor. I think I was the only person in the whole world who liked that twist. Really? I loved it. Yeah, I think it was very original, and I love when I love being surprised. I love when people yes, that's pull true. the rug out from under me. So, I love no, that. you look, you're not wrong. I even though I was really looking forward to that Mandarin being the Mandarin, I when the twist happened, I was a little bit mad, but in, in, inside of me there was this little voice that said, "Bro, they got you." 
they got Wait, you. Mad, like, but... <laughs> when, how do you find out that he's not the Mandarin? When Tony Stark sneaks in using like convenience store stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, like, did he like say something? Yeah, he's, he's, put, he's like a coward, right? The yeah. Mandarin. Yeah, the guy walks out of the bathroom and he's like, oh, don't go in there. And then, you know, Tony Stark, like, points a gun at him or something like that. And the guy says, oh, no, no, I'm not not him. I'm not him. I'm just an actor. Just an actor. Yeah. And then he shoots him anyway. No, he doesn't. (laughs) But, yeah, that was a a good twist. That was a good twist. Honestly, um, Aldrich Killian being the one pulling the strings from behind the scenes. And, again, here's where we get to the conspiracy element of Iron Man 3. Aldrich Killian was this guy who had an idea that he pitched to Iron to, to Tony Stark way back in the day before he became Iron Man. And Tony Stark basically kind of made fun of him and left him hanging. He didn't really pay attention to him. Yeah. Aldrich Killian then went and did it all on his own and he created it. He created AIM. Yeah, which you know, AIM. Yeah. Mona. Don't worry, we'll get to that. Yeah. But he creates AIM and he creates the extremists component thing the the uh, uh whatever thing that weaponizes humans turned them into like these bomb Big almost people and he ends up coming back to get his revenge on tony stark and to get his revenge on him he ends up creating a puppet villain out of the character of the mandarin even though the mandarin does exist in that world mm-hmm. But he ends up uh, creating someone who claims to be the Mandarin and several terrorist attacks are carried out by him and his people. Uh, he uses the Mandarin as like the one that's taking responsibility for the attacks. Wait, did he use, I'm, I'm wondering, did he did he know that there was actually a real Mandarin and he called him the Mandarin or, or did he just like, was it just like a coincidence that he called this guy the Mandarin, but there was actually no, a real Mandarin? No, definitely not a coincidence. So, he knew that there was a real Mandarin. Yeah, because we know that the Ten Rings organization exists, mm-hmm. right? Those are the people that, that captured Tony Stark Ten and put him in the cave. Ten right, and now we know because of... Sorry, yeah. go ahead, Lucas. No, I, I'm just going to say I think the Mandarin is going to appear in the Shanghai, uh, Shanghai movie. Yeah, he is. And, and we, based on the title, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Oh, it's a legend. It's a legend. Yeah. Mm. So maybe the, the character of the Mandarin was somebody who is like a thing of legend where, you know, some people think, believe that he exists, some people don't. Mm. But Aldrich Killian took it and used that legend to bring this fake villain to life. Mm. Now, another thing that I like that this movie plays with is the fact that it's puppet villains. So in the real world, there are conspiracy theories out there that say that a lot of the stuff that world governments do. <laughs> Trump. <laughs> exactly. Uh, a lot of the stuff that gov- that world governments do are actually using puppet villains. So like there's conspiracy theories, for example, that say that the attacks on 9-11 were actually self-inflicted, that the United States actually planned that out. The military, the, the government planned that out behind the scenes and created, made a villain out of Osama bin Laden and blamed him for the attacks or faked a video with him assuming responsibility for the attacks mm. all so that they could gain more control over their people. Because once you introduce an element of fear, you're able to have more control over people. So they took this movie kind of plays off of that because that's essentially what Aldrich Killian is doing. He's creating this fake villain so that people have a, a name and a face to point to and say, that's the bad guy. Mm-hmm. And all of it 
to try to push his own agenda behind the scenes. Did it? It is genius. It is, yeah. It is. How did he even get his powers? That's did what he developed. Extremis? Well, yeah, he created Extremis. So that that was that was the thing that he was trying to uh, to pitch to Tony Stark way back before he became Iron Man. That he had this idea for this 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 component or whatever it is, um, and that's how he healed himself because he he was actually kind of disabled physically, mm. and so he healed himself and he re- re- regenerated his body using Extremis. But also that made him have all these like crazy firepower things. Right. Yeah. And then he started weaponizing other people. Anyway, the point is that there is this entire conspiracy that he carries out so that he can exact revenge on Tony Stark. And uh, that plays an entire, a huge role throughout that entire movie, you know? So definitely an element of conspiracy in Iron Man 3. Let's move on to what I think, personally, is the biggest conspiracy story of our time, and that is Star Wars. Uh... I agree completely. <laughs> it, it, it is, it is, it's like, yeah. Because then you are on a galactic level. Yes, it, it's yeah. Like a conspiracy, not just in the world we not live in. In the country, right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's huge. So, you know, I've heard it, especially based on how they decided to conclude the Skywalker saga. You know, I've heard it so many times said, and I kind of agree that the nine movies that encompass the Skywalker saga from episode one to episode nine are actually less Skywalker saga and more the Palpatine saga. They're actually yeah, cool. the nine lightsaber colors. Are they? I, I there probably are nine, nine, nine lightsaber colors. I've never seen that, but now you got me thinking. Yeah, that was actually okay. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it, in a nutshell, the conspiracy of the entire Skywalker saga of those nine films is that from Episode One, you have this uh, man who is a senator. His name is Chief Palpatine. And Chief Palpatine is secretly a Lord of the Sith. Right? He's secretly Emperor. Not Not yet. No, not yet. He's secretly a Lord of the Sith called Darth Sidious. And he is unknown to the Jedi and unknown to the rest of the galaxy because people think that the Sith had been dead and extinct for years. So he gets himself to a seat of power, to to a Senate seat in the Galactic Senate in the Galactic Republic. And finding himself in there, he starts creating this entire plot behind the scenes where he's, as the, as the Lord, as the uh, Sith Lord Darth Sidious, he's interacting with these group of people that disagree with the way that the Galactic Republic is running the galaxy. And he starts gathering these people to try to create a separatist movement to separate from the Galactic Republic. The separatists. Exactly. And then he starts empowering them by helping them create an entire army of droids that belongs to them. Then, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I'm just, it's so funny when you're talking, because imagine someone who never seen Star Wars just hearing that. Right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's so complicated. It is, yeah. And then on the other side, as Senator Palpatine, He's little by little gaining more and more favor with everybody, getting more and more people to like him. And he starts to push against the separatist. Mm-hmm. And he's I starting. Yeah. So he's literally running the conversation on both ends. He's he, like he said, he's telling this one side, you know, you have to like 
don't don't do this. You have to yep. rebel against this. Yeah. And then the other guys are like, Come we on, have to fight these rebels. Yeah. And so then he not only does he get himself to become the Supreme um, Chancellor. Yes, Chancellor Palpatine. Chancellor, yeah, they they name him Chancellor Palpatine, and now he's the one leading the charge against the Separatists, whom he is also leading behind the yeah, scenes. I know, right? So and that. then secretly, years before all this, he went and he sent one of his students to pretend to be this other Jedi, and he went to El to Camino, and the Kaminoans are experts in cloning, and he tells the Kaminoans. The Jedi Council wants to hire you guys to create an entire clone army for the Republic. And so the Kaminoans for years have been building this army of clones. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so by the time that this whole issue with the Separatists is happening and he's running both sides of the conversation, he's starting to tell the Republic as Chancellor Palpatine, he's starting to tell them, we have to fight back against these people. And then suddenly he tips the Jedi so that they realize that there's something going on in El Camino. Obi-Wan Kenobi goes. He reports back to the Jedi Council like, uh, guys, suddenly we have an army of the Republic. It's an entire clone army. Like, who asked for this? Right. It's completely battle ready. What are we going to do? Now he tells the Separatists, deploy the droid army. Attack the Republic. And as the attack is happening, what, what do the Jedi do? They say, well, we have to defend the Republic somehow. So what are we going to do? We're going to use our clone army. The clone army. So now the clone army becomes the official army of the Republic, a clone army that was created at the behest of Palpatine, mm -hmm. not knowing that he controlled the programming of the clones and that they had an inhibitor chip put into their brains so that they would obey any command that he gave them. Including what movie are you in now? Right now, I am in. Revenge of Sith. I'm in Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. And then, he and so the most famous order ever. So he allows, he orchestrates this entire war that lasted a total of five years. Five years. A war that is being fought across an entire galaxy, various star systems, various planets, all these different species involved in this war against these droids. So that's how Katana. Uh, What's your name? Ahsoka Tano. That's how Ahsoka Tano got so old. Yeah, right, because five yeah. years passed by. Mm -hmm. And he allows all these events to, 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 to stretch out. And then when the moment is right, he shuts it all down by telling his new apprentice, Darth Vader, whom he's been, been manipulating throughout various throughout several years since he's a little kid. He's been planting little seeds in his brain, and he finally manipulates them with his concern and his worry over his wife dying because he knows that he's traumatized by the death of his mom. And so he tells him, if you let me teach you the ways of the force that the Jedi aren't teaching you, I can help you prevent her from dying. He gets him to turn over to the dark side, become his apprentice. And now he tells him, oh, by the way, the Separatist leaders, they're all hiding over in Mustafar. Go kill them all right away. Darth Vader goes, kills all the leaders of the, of the, of the resistance. And suddenly that's it. The what? Separatists are no more. He also kills a youngling. He kills many younglings. He's not so, called Darth Vader yet, is he? I'm just trying to sound somewhat smart in this. Uh, <laughs> well, he no, no, he is. Yeah, he's he, called, I think he's called Sith Vader at this point or something. It's called Lord Vader. Lord yeah. Vader, isn't it? 
Well, okay. uh, he no, he actually when he called when he names him in, in Revenge of the Sith, he Vader? officially says, you know, from now on you will be known as Darth Vader. Honestly, okay. that that's it. Kind of sounds like when you look at what he looked like before. Yeah. Like before he had that like robotic suit and stuff. Mm-hmm. It honestly just doesn't fit for me. The name right. Darth Vader like, without the robotic suit and stuff. <laughs> right. It's just like. The the thing is also that the the Darth is an it's a title for for any lords any Sith Lord. Darth Sidious. Yeah, Darth, Darth Sidious, Darth Maul. Vader, Darth Plagueis, Darth Tyrannus, who was uh, Darth Maul, right? So that's how I'm automatically kind of like added to the title. So anyway, he orchestrates this entire conspiracy, playing both sides, creating a five year war, also that at the end. He has a reason to tell the Republic the Jedi are turning against us. I had to order the clones to kill all the Jedi because they want to overthrow the galaxy. And by the way, now our only hope against the Jedi is for us to reorganize as the first galactic empire. And suddenly he becomes an emperor. I'm disappointed <laughs> in you, Daddy. Why? Because you didn't say execute order 66. Oh, yes, he executed execute Order 66. There yes. You go. <laughs> like in yes. Uh, Fall in Order. Yeah. So for that re- for all those reasons that I just mentioned is why, to me, Star Wars is the biggest conspiracy theory, is the biggest conspiracy movie of all time because this guy really uh, played every single side. It isn't until the rebellion comes around that really – he starts being challenged. Yeah. And even then, he already has a plan in mind, which is to clone himself so that he can prolong his life. Yeah, but, you know, that didn't end really well. It didn't. <laughs> but, yeah, there you go. Uh, Star Wars, I think, is one of the biggest conspiracy movies of all time. And I don't think that you would immediately think about it that way until you become a complete, absolute geek about this, like I am, apparently. <laughs> and... You soak all this information in and you watch the, you know, the Clone Wars cartoon series and you realize like, wow, this is an incredible, you know, political conspiracy thriller. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, let's hop on to our last two points. And these are two video games, actually. Watching well, three. Uh, the first one, Avengers, Marvel's Avengers, which released recently this year. Mm, uh, buddy, you play through that whole thing. Yeah, it was actually a pretty short game, but I guess you were meant to play the side missions too. Right. So so what was the conspiracy that ran through that entire game? The conspiracy in that game was definitely mostly AIM. Yeah, the organization AIM, which it stands for Advanced Idea Mechanics. Yeah. So um, it was... It was pretty weird because, like, to the public, AIM mm-hmm. is, like, this good company yeah. that is that is trying to redo what happened on A-Day. Okay. Day, and if you want to know what that is, you can, like, play the game or something. Yeah, but there's, like, a big catastrophe, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and there's there's this, like, he keeps on projecting these holograms outside of his things. Mm-hmm. And he looks like he's just normal. Right. And everyone thinks that he's trying to do good stuff. He's the leader of AIM, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, when you first play as Kamala, mm-hmm. well, not first, but like your first combat tutorial. Yeah. When uh, when he kidnaps you mm-hmm. as Kamala, you see that he's definitely starting to turn into Modoc. Yeah. And his intentions are 
much worse than you than you thought that they were. And uh, by the way, just to uh, keep track here, Kamala is Kamala Khan, who is also known as Miss Marvel. Mm -hmm. And she has these powers to like enlarge her body parts and stuff like that and enlarge herself, like her whole body. She's the main character. Yeah, she's kind of the lead of, of the entire game. And then uh, when Joshua mentions MODOK, MODOK is this villain that is a very classic part of the villain roster for Marvel Comics. And he's this dude who's essentially kind of like a giant head with arms and legs inside of this mechanical seat like sort of thing. Like suit thing. Yeah. Basically, he's like a giant square-shaped head yeah. with arms and legs. Yeah, and in this throughout the game, you kind of see that this guy become that character mm -hmm. little by little, which George I think Carlton, is really cool. I think yeah, and he's. The, I think the conspiracy pretty much runs in that you are seeing how AIM is painting itself as the solution for protecting the world after the events of A-Day, which ended up creating a lot of super-powered people. Yeah, so basically he is... But he's actually, they're actually the ones that orchestrated the entire plan. Oh. Like the explosion that ended up causing a lot of... Uh, in humans to not form. exactly, actually. Oh, it wasn't? Yeah, but Cap literally told him. There was a scene in the game mm -hmm. where, um, because originally Kamala saw this clip. I guess we should say spoiler alert in case you are playing the game yeah, and haven't he, run yeah, through the story. Yeah, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. Yeah, hop, wanna... over, hop over a minute or so if you yeah. uh, don't want any details spoiled. So, yeah, spoiler alert. You've been warned. Go for it. So, <laughs> basically, um, what happens is that Kamala earlier in the game... Mm -hmm. She sees a clip of Cap, like, coming into the reactor room yeah. of the ship that exploded. Right. And he and he was, like, and he was telling George to go, be safe, or something like that. George is the guy who becomes Modoc. Yeah. yeah. And then, but, and he was, like, he, you don't see that much. But then, you Kamala sees George mm -hmm. um, locking the doors on Cap. Right. And then, like, the ship explodes. Mm -hmm. But... Later on in the game, Kamala sees an extended clip that has some more info. Okay. And that extended clip shows um, Cap coming in again, and and he and he and George is like, Cap, you you have to get out of here. You you it can't be safe here. And then he's like, Go, George, lock the doors. Uh, I I I can't um I can't let you get hurt too. And oh, then wow. and then he mm. literally takes his shield and bashes the reactor. Oh what? Yeah. He bashes the reactor with his shield himself, and that's what causes the ship to explode. And the explosion is what eventually causes the creation of all these Inhumans, yeah. which are superpowered beings. Mm -hmm. Also, Cap is kind of responsible for it in a way. Yeah, he is, kind of. Interesting. Okay. Well, yeah, and so um, so you've got this whole kind of plot, though, on behalf of AIM to you know paint the Avengers as, like, we don't need the Avengers. Mm -hmm. And AIM is they they're so the whole game is basically like aim is working up to build this powerful new robot they will replace soldiers and stuff mm. because all they had before were like these typical like fighting robots and stuff they were yeah. like weren't that durable mm -hmm. but they were creating these new robots called adaptoids mm -hmm. and those adaptoids were supposed to fight like in the war and stuff instead of humans and no uh, people would die okay but they were actually designed to destroy humans ah. because they could. The reason they're called adaptoids mm -hmm. is because they adapt to uh, whatever you're fighting. Your like, your ability is. Yeah. So if, ah, let's okay. say if your ability is to clone yourself. Yeah. Then they can clone themselves. Hmm. 
So basically, they adapt to what you're doing, and they can do it too. Oh, that's crazy. So okay. um, you, uh, they also have like a protective shield bubble, mm-hmm. and you can't. Dis- and when they're in the protective shield bubble, they like heal themselves and stuff. Mm. So you act, and you can't. You have to like bash through it with your melee weapon. Okay. So basically, aim is the big conspiracy. That makes in, sense. Um, in the in the Avengers video game. Okay. And then also, there's an after credit scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> after credit scene in Avengers. Of course there is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's where we see, um, it's where we see like uh, a meeting of these people mm-hmm. and you see the aim logo everywhere and then mm. there's this woman talking and then it and then you zoom up on the woman and she turns around in her chair and it's actually talton's right hand person Huh. okay and then you see um by the way uh there was this like giant robot that modok summoned okay and uh kamala beat him by turning ginormous like really ginormous and biggin yeah. That's so, pretty cool. The next one that we've got in the gaming world, we've got Assassin's Creed. Uh, have you ever played Assassin's Creed, Lucas? You know what? Um, I watched someone play it when I was younger, but I never tried it myself. Okay. Me and my buddy, like we were, when we were little, we had one Xbox for sharing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and his favorite game was an Assassin's Creed. My favorite game was Call of Duty. Yeah. So he used to play Assassin's Creed while I was watching. I used to play uh, Call of Duty. So I've never played it, but I've seen it. Okay, cool. Yeah, Assassin's Creed is one of my favorite games of all time. Anybody who's listening to the podcast probably knows this by now. Um, the big conspiracy in Assassin's Creed, and Assassin's Creed is essentially one huge conspiracy, and it's all about these two rival organizations. One is the Assassins. The other one is the, the Templars. Templars. And uh, you you probably heard us cover this if you listened to episode 95. Yeah, that's but right. But we didn't really cover the conspiracy part of it in episode 95. Right. So the conspiracy is more on the side of Abstergo. Abstergo is a company that is kind of like a front for the Knights Templar, for the Templars, which is this secret society type of organization that has been around for ages and ages and ages. And it's actually, it was real in our... Yeah, it actually, it's an organ. it's a group that actually existed, the Knights Templar, uh, were this group of knights, monk knights, who monk were, knights. yeah. Uh, it, it was like, it mixes religious with knight knightdom and all that. It yeah, sounds, sounds contradicting. <laughs> right, yeah, it kind of does. They kind of like force people to like go over to Jewish, or I mean Christianity, right? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, they, they kind of took power during the Crusades when the Catholic Church was really going around forcing pretty much anybody and everybody to convert to Christianity, so to Catholicism, or to die. Yeah, what they did awesome. in uh, in Assassin's Creed, that mm-hmm. they just exaggerated that 100%. Yeah. yeah, and so, you know, the Knights Templars in the real world, it's, it's, uh, it's believed that they had possession of a lot of ancient artifacts. You know, stuff like the spear that pierced the body of Christ, for example, or like the Holy Grail, the Grail mm-hmm. that Jesus, you know, drank from during the, the Last Supper. And they kind of took that and, and exaggerated it. it. And, and they and they said, you know what? Let's say they did have those things, but they and were the, called the pieces of Eden. Right. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. So they created these these fictional artifacts that were not just historical artifacts, but claimed to have like real power, like cosmic magical sort of power. And so the the whole rivalry between these two organizations is that the Templars want to control the world. They believe that peace is achieved through control. 
through yeah. forced control. And then, the assassins, yeah. and then the assassins believe that, like, everyone, anyone should just do their own thing. Like, yeah. they, control shouldn't be a thing. Correct. Yeah, they believe. Basically, war in, um, in medieval form. Like the what, sorry? Basically, Captain America Civil War in uh, medieval form. Yeah, that's a great comparison, actually. That's yeah. right. That's what the two sides were. You know, do we get government oversight or do we allow the Avengers to keep doing their own thing however they want? Yeah. Yeah. So, but it mixed into it is even a, di- a deeper conspiracy, which is that you little by little as a player, you start realizing that these artifacts are actually tied to a, a forgotten history of humanity. Where before humanity as we know it, humanity had another form of existence where everybody was essentially godlike. And the Isu? Something like that. And then those, that first iteration of humanity ended up creating what we currently know as humanity mm-hmm. and restarted the world essentially. Like there was this big, some kind of event that, you know, set, reset everything. Mm-hmm. And all the knowledge of that pre-existence was completely forgotten. Yeah. And so these artifacts that come all the way from back then possess those kinds of powers. And so the Templars know that if they get their hands on enough of these artifacts, they're going to be able to control larger and larger spheres of society. And the assassins are trying to prevent them from doing that. And uh, that's <laughs> where the entire thing of the game carries out. And that's like a cool story, though. I never heard a story, yeah. for, but that's actually really cool. It's really, really cool. And, and and the thing is, like you, I've played several of the Assassin's Creed games, and you little by little start piecing together that deeper conspiracy, that deeper knowledge of of the past world, the past uh, existence of humanity, and all that stuff, uh, mm-hmm. while you're carrying out these much more world, real world based kinds of missions, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really cool. There's a lot of depth to that. Um, to that entire franchise and i again some of my favorite games of all times i love history and i love that entire conspiracy feel to it you know espionage assassinations all that stuff that is part of that game with abstergo being this modern day like um company Mm -hmm. but then like behind the scenes they're just a front for the modern day templars yeah and they are trying to what what is it dna memories yeah, they're tapping into DNA memory. And, like, they're trying to get, I don't know. But they're, they're trying like, to relive the experiences of people who had interactions with the pieces of Eden at some yeah. point in history. And and that's when they created the Animus. Yeah, which, looks, which is a machine that taps into the DNA memory. Yeah, which basically uh, makes some, somebody whose ancestors were assassins. Right they make them like relive that and yeah uh so basically if their ancestors had contact with the pieces of eden mm-hmm. then they would get that person put them into the animus yeah and gain all the information that they needed as the person was reliving those events and that is what you're actually playing in the game you're playing in these uh moments in the past when in reality mm-hmm. you know that entire gameplay is essentially the reliving of that dna memory it's a really yeah. interesting concept for sure and then there's also the conspiracy of like jack the ripper and stuff and syndicate <laughs> yeah there's a lot um all right and let's tap into the last one uh last game that we have on our list joshua you uh realized this a minute ago yeah. what is it fortnite 
Now, <laughs> now, okay. Now, bear with me here. If you, okay. if you've seen the uh, the uh, the event that led up to season three mm-hmm. of Fortnite, like the chapter two, season three, or whatever, right? Then you know that there is something going on here. Yeah. Because in that event, it's like this, like flood thing is happening and stuff. Mm-hmm. But do you have these little like this like white light keeps appearing? Yeah. And then you go into you find yourself in an office. Yeah, you find yourself in an office with the name John Jones. Yeah. And you see some pictures and stuff and some like secret file cases. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly this dude just barges into the room. Mm-hmm. And there's like a bunch of people walking by and he's saying, "How could he not contain it? It has to be contained." <laughs> and then and then he walks in and he's like, "Whoa, can you hear me?" Yeah. And then it basically just You flash away there. from it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and like it's completely unexplained. It feels very like it comes up in random moments during the entire actual live event. Mm-hmm. And then they just leave you there and they don't give you any more information. They don't reveal anything else, but you're slowly starting to build this idea. Like, wait a minute, there's actually more to Fortnite than what we know uh-huh. Fortnite is. It's like a battle royale game. There's more to that. Yeah. So what? what <laughs> yeah, you probably haven't seen that yet. Have, have you played Fortnite, Lucas? I've had fun playing Fortnite, but I've never noticed that aspect of it ever before. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so what I think here Mm -hmm. is that, uh, so Save the World was the original game of Fortnite. Right. And and in Save the World, there's this scene where a bunch of zombies are chasing you, Mm -hmm. and then you run into this bunker and you close it. Yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm thinking that the humans... Uh, they bunkered down in, in that bunker. Yeah. And then over time, they were they were just creating this office and mm-hmm. this this like company or whatever. You think so? In the middle of a zombie outbreak? I think they kind of forgot about it over time. Maybe. It's really interesting. Huh. And, Imaginative. And I think yeah. that um, I think that they they either created this game. Mm-hmm. To to contain the storm, hmm. okay. like, because the storm is the thing that was creating the zombies and saved the world. Yeah. So I think that they created that game to contain the storm. Interesting. And and um, and the game just kind of started breaking because I'm thinking that Midas mm-hmm. he started to catch like what was going on here. Mm-hmm. He started to know that this isn't actually what was going on. He started to know that it wasn't was like reality. A Trojan horse or something like that. I see. And and he and he created that to just break free of this false reality. Hmm. And he created that big event to to push back the storm, maybe push it back into the real world. Interesting. So and then that's... That's what, and that's why John Jones was like, "How it has to be contained? How is it not being contained?" Hmm. And then, and then he walks into his office, uh-huh. and he sees that one of the characters in the game has broken free. Interesting. Maybe Midas. I don't know who it was, hmm. but and then he sees that he's outside of the game, and he's like, "What? How did you get out?" Right. That's an interesting theory. I my personal theory is a little bit more leaning towards like the Matrix side. 
where it's just like these are people who are supposed to be trapped in there somehow and they're forced to, you know, live these battles over and over and over again. Maybe it makes me think of this episode from Black Mirror. Lucas, have you ever watched Black Mirror? Oh, I love it. It's like yeah. Twilight Zone and Black Mirror is like my <laughs> yeah. go-to mind. It's, it's so good. It's so good. Yeah. And the the whole thing with uh, – there's one episode, if you remember it, it's in season one, I think, where this you see this woman having to relive this scene over and over again. No, no, no. This oh. is different from that. But then at the end, you realize that she's actually a prisoner and that she's being forced to relive this horrible scene over and over again as her punishment. Like that is how she's being punished. Is this Black Mirror? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's one, it's in the first season. It's easy to forget. I think some of the for, the for those first episodes, but the entire yeah, time you're British wondering. Version, right? yeah. yeah, and uh, and that's what that's what I think of when I think about Fortnite and you know what the conspiracy is behind it. Like maybe maybe all these people that we're playing as are actually criminals who are being like held in this virtual prison, and they're being forced to battle over and over and over and over and over and over. I like again. my idea better. Oh, this guy. Give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> are pretty cool, though. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, they're definitely headed towards revealing that eventually. So I'm, I'm really curious to see maybe how it all plays out. Maybe like, um, maybe you're like, there's gonna be a season mm-hmm. where it's just, just in the real world. Maybe there's gonna be a season where it's like people like actually going out and realizing what they've done, like mm-hmm. in the real world. And then like, and then maybe the people from the game world. Maybe them, maybe they like forcing them to go out into the uh, okay, world. Okay, but I don't, I don't know how, I don't know, because once you get into the real world, then you're talking, you know, real death, real blood. You can't take Fortnite to that point because Fortnite, yeah. one of his main things is that it's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. family friends. Weapons in the real world, it would have looked, looked a lot different. Yes, they would have, exactly. Yeah, actually, you're right. Yeah. You're, anyway. you're starting off by killing people with an axe, right? So. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you know, it, it definitely sparks your curiosity to think how they can explain all this in the end. But uh, but cool nonetheless. And it's really interesting to see how Epic has been able to not just keep it at, you know, the surface level, but actually introduce a little element of mystery and conspiracy. Fortnite to it. definitely has something planned. Yeah, I would for, imagine. For the future. I would imagine. You know, right. to be honest, I didn't even know there was a story to it. I just played it like it was right. like, just something that you mini. randomly drop into and drop yeah. out of. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's kind of how it started. But they, they started seeing uh, a bigger possibility along the way, I think, to tie it all together. And and it was worked out. It's worked I'm out adding, pretty interesting. I'm adding one more thing to my theory. Okay. You know, the seven, like, you know how there's yeah, like the visitor the, people. Yeah. Like yeah. the seven, the seven people. Mm hmm. I think that they are that they might be people who mm-hmm. who are like outside of this other organization. Yeah. Uh, and they are who are like hacking into. Yeah, like they're like they're hackers, and mm-hmm. they and those those characters are their avatars. Right. And they're hacking mm-hmm. into the game to try to get the people in the game mm-hmm. to realize, you know, guys, that they're prisoners. Wake up! Like, yeah. They, this is not what you're supposed to be doing. That sounds very Matrix-like, man. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, that's that's Morpheus and his crew trying to get people out of the Matrix and yeah. get them into the real world. But how does yeah. the banana fit into all this? 
The Sorry. banana peely. I, I mean, maybe maybe <laughs> someone accidentally, maybe someone accidentally, I don't know, maybe someone like dropped a banana into <laughs> the, the machine. Yeah, into the machine that was coding Fortnite, and then it just created the banana. <laughs> Yeah, probably a developer who just eats bananas every single day and he yeah. wanted to sneak it in there. Yeah. <laughs> All right, th- this was a really, really cool conversation, guys. Lucas, thank you so much for joining us for this episode, man. It was a lot of fun. Thank you for having me. It was very much fun. Yeah, um, and, and there are so many other properties out there, by the way, that uh, have conspiracy at their heart. Yeah. Um, you know, movies, shows, comic books, uh, novels, audio dramas, video games. I mean, you name it. Conspiracy is all over the place because like Lucas said earlier in the episode, conspiracy is intriguing to us. We want to unravel. We want to peel away the layers. We want to get deep into it. We want to reveal what that mystery is. I most want to unravel the Fortnite mystery. I I imagine you would, yeah. I can can tell you spent a lot of time thinking about this. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there is so much, and I'm sure that if you sat through this episode, your brain is going to start wondering, you know, and catching conspiracies much more than before, because, uh, it's easy to ignore them or to, or to overlook them sometimes. I should write Fortnite, my, my theory. You should, you should do some fan fiction, actually. Lucas, can you tell people where they can find you, where they can find your podcast? Yeah, I want to, I want people to follow me on Twitter. That's where I put all my stuff. Lucas King tweets. That's my Twitter, and I put all my podcasts there. Right now, I'm working on the music, also my YouTube channel. Follow me on Twitter, and we'll be updated on both podcasts, musics, anything that I come out with. And if uh, if you love conspiracy thrillers, you can check out Lucas's six part podcast called Merryweather. Um, and I imagine that can be found anywhere podcasts are found at this point. Spotify, iTunes, anything, you name it. Just Excellent. search for Meriwether, Lucas King. You'll find it. Thank you so much for joining us, man. It was a pleasure having you on. And uh, we wish you the best of luck with your music, with your writing, with your podcast. Thank you. Likewise. It was very fun being here. You guys are awesome. Thank you, man. All right, that was a great chat with Lucas King. And man, it's so fantastic to just start diving into what a big part of sci-fi conspiracies are. It's something that perhaps we don't pause to think about a lot, similar to how we had the topic on agriculture. But in reality, the best stories probably have conspiracy kind of woven into the fabric of the story. Now, if you have any particular corner of geekdom that fascinates you and you'd like to chat with Joshua and I about it, we'd love to hear about it. So hit us up. You can contact us at g101podcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram at g101podcast. And you can find our website at geekology101.com or g101podcast.com. Thanks for joining us today, people. We'll catch you next week. Game over. Imagine noise.